Hello and thanks for coming back for episode 5 of the Gravity Digital Marketing Agency Power Up Podcast. I'm your host Bob Gentle and every week I'm joined by small digital agency owners and solo practitioners just like you. Every week I ask this, but can I check if you've joined our Facebook group yet? There are great things coming down the line and if you don't join, you just might miss them. Visit bobgentle.com and follow the link at the top of every page. In this week's episode, I'm joined by Matthew Kimberly. Matthew's a sales coach and probably the nicest one you'll ever meet. Now, I know you're probably thinking, this is a digital marketing podcast. A sales trainer? Really? Listen on and you'll find out why I think you should be as excited as I am. Welcome to episode five and let's meet Matthew. So I'm really delighted to welcome Matthew Kimberley to the podcast. Matthew, do you want to introduce yourself and maybe tell us a little bit about your business? Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for having me, Bob. I am Matthew Kimberley. I am a sales trainer slash management consultant for tiny businesses, businesses that are generating somewhere between 100 and 300k every year. Uh, being run by an owner operator who is pulling their hair out and saying, I've come this far, why don't I have more money, more time, less stress? So I help uh, people become more confident with selling, set up systems for booking business and deliver the business uh, in a way that makes them happy again. I think sales training is something everybody can probably benefit from. Certainly in my business, it's, it's helped from time to time. I certainly wouldn't consider myself a great salesman, but certainly speaking to other small agency owners, sales is one area where everybody feels weak. Um, I think my observations are that they are either over pushy or really, really timid. The, the systematic approach to sales is often quite weak and leads to what you would often characterize as the feast and famine, which typifies the creative agency. Do you have any sort of creative agency clients you work with? And yeah, I have a number of a number of creative agency clients I work with. I actually really like creative agency clients as clients for a couple of reasons. Um, one is because they're very rarely freelancers, which means they're responsible for you know, but by, by dint of the the name agency, which means that they're responsible for other people's well being, which I admire and respect an, an awful lot, and and very often. They have a physical location, which is an extra level of commitment on top of that. And I think your assessment that sales is something that people are uncomfortable with um, and could do with help with is spot on. Because unless you have studied selling, which people tend to do as a result of landing a sales job by accident who's to tell you what the rules are, right? Very few people say, I'm going to proactively study sales in anticipation of becoming a salesperson. It's normally the other way around. You become a salesperson, you get sent on company training. Um, Or in the case of many business owners, they, they say, I'm going to open an agency, and nobody's ever sent them on that company mandated sales training. And so a little bit of business is done through friends and family and networks and perhaps a couple of clients they've bought with them from the agency where they quit to start their own. Uh, and then what? And then what? And that's the that's the issue to challenge. Yeah. Uh, that's, the, that's the challenge at, at hand, which I really help them with. And 
confidence around selling comes from putting systems in place. It comes from having checklists. It comes from making sure that the I's and the the I's are, are, are dotted and the T's are crossed. But critically, you need the you need to know where the I's are and how to find the T's and you know what what actually goes into the checklist. So I try to provide people with this toolkit that says, look, if you can pay attention to every step of this predefined process, um, then you are more likely to close the deal. And sales and marketing cannot be separated. You You can't sell to the invisible man. You can't sell to nobody. So you must have a source of leads, a source of inquiries, or be prepared to do outbound prospecting in order to practice those skills. But there's, you know, very frequently, not so much now because I'm tending to work with clients who are a little bit more established, but when I used to work with brand new business owners, the one of the ways to get around the idea that it was difficult to practice your sales approach was by sending people out into public and saying, look, go to the local shopping center, go to the town center, go to the local mall, approach 100 people and say, hey, I'm starting a new design agency. Would you like a logo? Hmm. And you're asking 100 strangers, complete strangers. You don't know whether they own businesses. They probably don't. You don't know if they um, have any sense of the aesthetic you don't know if they even know what a logo is but if you ask a hundred strangers one of them is going to say well you know how much would it cost and all of a sudden you're having a sales conversation (laughs) and so what we need to what we need to find from a marketing perspective is is the the more refined source of leads the more refined source of prospects people who we know are likely to be in the market for a new website, a new logo, um, a new branding package, a new packaging design. Let them know that we exist. Suggest to them that you'd love to explore working with them and then be persistent in the follow-up, which might take years. Um, While simultaneously planting seeds all around you um, in the appropriate area, so we're in the in the fields, if we're going to continue the agricultural theme, in the fields where your prospects are hanging out so that they can be harvested in the future. And that's marketing. Marketing is saying, hey, look at me. Marketing doesn't get you clients. Marketing just gives you eyeballs. And it's what you do with the attention that counts. I think one of the reasons I was particularly excited to speak to you is being blunt. In my world, you're kind of a big deal. (laughs) And the reason I say that in, is... In my own head, too. Uh, <laughs> my wife my um, wife sets me right on that every yeah, time I see her. Most do. <laughs> um, but you worked very closely with Michael Port to deliver his Book Yourself Solid Academy. And yeah. Book Yourself Solid is a book I read a couple of years ago and really helped me not just work out how I was going to build in a sales process, but also how I should probably adjust a business to be more easily aligned with the sales process. I think a lot of people, particularly in the creative space, whether they're selling websites, digital marketing, social media, pay-per-click, they're very, very woolly about productization, if you see what I mean. Mm -hmm. It's something I often see as very weak. Well, I have some thoughts thoughts on that, particularly around the Book Yourself Solid side. And one thing that I would love creative agency owners to do 
unilaterally across the board tomorrow. And this is more for creative than perhaps for marketing agencies. So people who are buying ads um, or spending money on behalf of their clients maybe don't have this issue the same as people who are creating um, identities, visual, audio, um, audiovisual identities. But I would like every design agency owner and salesperson to proactively knock their prospects off the pedestal that they have put them on in their mind. Unfortunately, in the creative industries, it's infamous for unpaid consulting. This particular yeah. industry is infamous for unpaid consulting. You have to pitch for business you have to show up and say you know maybe maybe spend tens and hundreds of thousands perhaps of man hours on putting together a pitch for a client to sit there audition you along with five other agencies and you know survival of the fittest with your client sitting behind the table like Simon Cowell saying it's a no from me which is a real travesty and put yourself solid really shifted when i discovered that i used to put my prospects on a pedestal before i i used to own service companies recruitment agencies before i read book yourself solid and the whole of the first chapter is about the red velvet rope policy and the idea that there are some people who you're meant to work with some clients who you're meant to serve and others not so much so you should be approaching it doesn't mean that there won't still be multiple agencies pitching for multi-million dollar contracts that of course that that will be the reality but as a small agency owner you don't have to play that game you can go out there and find the clients who want to work with you for your expertise and you can then audition your clients rather than have your clients audition you to a person every agency owner i've ever met has had issues with their clients this client is asking for too many revisions this client isn't giving me feedback on time this client isn't giving me the copy that they said they'd give me the whole thing is delayed and it means that i can't allocate (laughs) my staff my staff are sitting there waiting for that we can't get started on another project you live you've lived at the mercy of your clients and even worse the mercy of your prospects for too long. And I think your prospects and your clients should be treated like the way that you treat your own children, with love, with respect, with a deep desire for them to have the best possible outcome for themselves, and with a firm guiding hand to say, when you're in my house, these are the rules that we play by. Yeah. So following on from that, one of the things that possibly spins out of a good client fit is your pricing. One thing I think a lot of agencies would benefit from is not reacting to every single opportunity they come across and really focusing on well, what's a good client fit that wants to work with me. And then because they want to work with you, they'll price accordingly. How do you find creative agencies respond to reorganizing their pricing to better reflect their ideal customer? Well, I think pricing is something that we learn as we go along, um, and we definitely learn by environment. So what I've seen, and I think there's a place for every pricing model under the sun. You can be, you can bill yourself, you can use the fact that you're super cheap as a competitive advantage. You can use the fact that you are very expensive as a competitive advantage. I don't think that more is necessarily better. But here's mm. what I see. Um, particularly with agency owners. It depends on the world that you live in and the world that you have come from. 
if you've been working with, I don't know, Ogilvy, for example, straight out of college, you graduate, you go and join a premium um, branding agency or, or full service marketing agency or, or similar, and you get exposure to your clients regularly spending millions of dollars with you per campaign, per contract, per project, when BP want their logo redone, they're happy to spend seven million pounds or whatever yeah. it might be. Okay, if you come from that world and you decide that you're going to set up your own agency, then you're going to price like you know, right? You you will. Um, yeah. You're going to be probably a premium service provider, and you're going to price accordingly, and you will work with fewer clients, and you will be at their mercy more than typically. Um, you know, if you work with with less, um, th- those are the kind of clients. If they're giving you a million pounds a year, they you know they, they would say that they have a claim to your weekends, and maybe you would agree with them. You know, there's no there's no yeah. judgment there. If that's the world that you've come from, then that's the way that you're going to price. If you're living in the West Country and you've been working with a local agency for, you know, two or three years out of college and you've sat next to the business owner as they've struggled to make payroll and they're perhaps charging £3,000 for a multi-page website, um, including all the creative identity and that, then when you decide that it's time for you to move and, and open your own agency, then you're probably going to do the same, right? Your pricing yeah. model will reflect what you know to be true and therefore how you value your stuff. Um, I, there's a gentleman whose name escapes me, but it will come to me soon. Um, John, somebody from consulting something. And <laughs> he is a very, very smart guy. And I heard him speak to an audience of digital agency owners in Sydney several years ago and he said look if you walk into coca-cola and pitch them a website for twenty-one thousand dollars, they will laugh you out of the room they'll say you don't belong here so you know you there is here's what he said there is another reality out there for you but we do stick to our reality we stick to our comfort zone and and so one of the things that I try to do with my clients just as an exercise in achieving a new level of normal because it's good for confidence and the bank balance and many other things it doesn't necessarily make them more profitable because as you know when you get the cash you tend to spend it or find ways of spending it but I, I do help them by saying remove detach yourself entirely from the outcome of this proposal and just I had a conversation with a client here in Malta um, of very good, well-known, successful agency here in Malta, I had a conversation and I said, look, just next time you put a proposal out, just just add an extra 50% on to whatever yeah. you were thinking about. Just try it. And they did. And guess what? The client bought and now they have a new level of normal. Right? So it's I try to to coax people out of the 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 world that they live in and i think that new normal is critical and if you don't have that necessarily because you wouldn't you're a small agency owner and you wouldn't know where or how to get a large corporate account you've been dealing with your local businesses in your local town and you think that they're buying on price then join a mastermind group or find find what other people in different countries are charging you have a client in portugal who um, now serves a global market and they have based their pricing to a certain degree on what their most expensive competitors are charging. 
just full stop. You know, if you've got a yeah. um, a well-known Instagram influencer who's got a budget for a website and you know that your competitor who's in a mastermind group with you is quoting them 25 to 45K and you were quoting 7 to 9K, then all of a sudden you've got a new normal because you're exposed yeah. to it. So if you can expose yourself to a new normal, that's a really, really good idea to help you make better pricing decisions. And that's before or I guess after we've done the basic, am I going to make or lose money on this calculation? Yeah. And I guess there's the challenge is actually digital agency owners don't very often speak to each other. It's a travesty. Um, just, there's so yeah. much business out there. <laughs> um, friends get friends work, right? Well, they do. And agencies um, collaborate. And one day they'll be approached and they'll say, hey, listen, uh, do you have space to do this quick campaign before the end of the month? And they'll say, look, we'd love to, but we're really stuffed stuffed with business why don't you go to our competitor and they'll make a referral and everybody will look good i think it's yeah. obviously they don't talk to each other i think also people often underestimate the success they can have when they adjust their pricing it's it's something i went through a while ago mm-hmm. and i will go through again but it can it can be a game changer and a very quick one over quite literally overnight mm. mm-hmm. i wanted to ask you about coaching because Obviously, you're a sales coach. I think you probably go a little broader than your traditional sales coach. But you're also, I happen to know, because I follow you in, on Instagram, mm-hmm. you, you use a coach. I know all the best coaches use coaches. But tell me a little bit about that. So my belief, based upon years of coaching with my coach, a gentleman called Taki Moore, and I've had coaches previously as well, um, my belief as a coach is that I'm looking like – if you take the sports analogy, uh, if a team underperforms, the coach gets fired. Right? So the coach is to a large degree, uh, a coach to a large degree rises or falls upon the success of their charges, the people for whom they're responsible, their clients, yeah. right, or their team. But the coach also gets to choose who plays. All right. So this is yeah. back to choosing your clients versus um, you wouldn't put a terrible soccer team together or a terrible rugby team together and expect them to win, right? I believe that our job as a coach, and the reason why I hire a coach, is because we want to help the people who are going to get results get results faster. And that's my take. And there are other coaches who are in the transformative space. I'm not in the transformative space, or at least I don't lead with that. I say, I think you've got a pretty good chance of getting to where you want to go for your business, which means more fun, more freedom, more flow, more finances um, within a certain period of time. But I think if we work together, we could get there a lot faster because I've got a whole wealth of experience that I can draw upon because that's what I do. I collect experience and information and redistribute it appropriately. And rather than you doing a lot of just-in-time learning where you... I know I'm all for reading books and, and having knowledge, but often we spend years you know, researching um, the achieving of a goal that we will not even take the first step to towards. You know, Guilty um, for a long time. Yeah, for sure. So I think a coach, I, I like to be useful. I'm James uh, Shramko um, says, you know, you, you want to back winners. So it's like going to the it's like going to the horses, and you want to take a punt. You want to put your money behind the one that's likely to cross the line, and that's what I think I do as a coach. And the reason I hire a coach is because I'm a one and a I, I'm a one person business with with support. I have subcontractors, I have administrative assistant, I have technology team, I have a design agency I work with, but um, I don't have any full time employees, and it can get lonely, right? Yeah. And my wife's a lawyer. 
and I want a new normal where, um, you know, where, where when I first started coaching, was it going to be 100K? Well, hell, hell no. <clears throat> and then when I hit 200K, was it going to be 200K? Well, hell no. Why? Because I'm hanging out with people every day who are doing many multiples of that. Um, and I actually yeah. value group coaching. <clears throat> Excuse me. I value group coaching far more then I value one-to-one coaching. So there's this idea in the coaching world that it's better to have a, a private relationship with a coach. And I couldn't disagree more because as long as the coach is curating his community of clients inside his group, um, you're going to get access to multiple numbers of brains, uh, people who will help you get to that. You don't, you don't want to be the smartest or the richest guy in the room, right? You, if, yeah. if you are, you're in the wrong room. But you're going to have access. If you choose your group right, then you're going to get access to an enormous amount of um, up-leveling, um, enthusiasm, burning, um, motivation, as well as information by osmosis for a fraction of the price if you try to hire this guy or girl privately. So I, I do still offer some private coaching and I do charge accordingly. But I believe that the better value for 90% of people is in is in a group of peers. And as we discussed just earlier, the design community maybe doesn't do this so well. Um, I've got four clients who are design agency owners in a group that I run. And they love talking to each other. They love it. Well, I bet. Because they Once say things start, like, what would, you, what would you charge for this? Or how long are your proposals? <laughs> or can I get your critique on this? Or what would you do in this situation? And people go, well, I had this situation. And boom. Yeah, mm. I want to make myself redundant in my coaching group. But that said, I still play the role of the benevolent parent, you know, holding you to account, <laughs> making sure you brush your teeth, making sure you've done what you said you were going to do and providing you with information that I can give you to get you where you need to go faster. I think yeah. a coach is critical. I've always had one. What I'd like to move on to now is your own marketing. I mean, the reason I came across you is because you're, you're quite high profile in terms of how you market yourself. But also once you encounter Matthew Kimberly online, you're very likely to continue encountering Matthew Kimberly online. How did you get into the digital marketing space? And break that down a little bit for me. I think my digital marketing footprint is relatively small. You know, if everybody's always got projects in their business, my project certainly for 2019 is to actually increase my digital marketing footprint. So I want to be more places. I want to be more omnipresent. I want to. I want strangers to hear my voice for the first time through maybe an advert that they see or a YouTube video they subscribe to. But I have built my entire um, footprint up until now on relationships. Right. Absolutely nothing else. I've probably been on. I don't know. I'm going to say a hundred, but give or take twenty in either direction. Podcasts. As a guest, I have mm. spoken on hundreds of stages at this point. I have some incredibly generous and influential, influential meaning, you know, well-connected people on speed dial in my telephone because yeah. I have doesn't mean every single person I meet I click with or every person I meet I stay in touch with, but I've been very, very proactive. Uh, about staying on top of relationships. And that doesn't always mean finding the most valuable person in the room and going down the gold digger route. I don't mean that yeah. at all. I mean, if you if you meet somebody who's good, you know, try to be good to them and, and try to keep showing up. And I have a daily ritual of which I have very few. You know, you won't find me 
meditating or, <laughs> or although I'm trying to change that, it's not really built into my um, existence this far. Um, I I have a daily ritual of going through my contact list and saying who who of the people that I want to stay in touch with hasn't heard from me in a month. Yeah. Well, that's going to bring me on to, I guess, and I, I think I know what the answer is going to be. But one thing I always encourage guests to do is if people did want to contact you, they did want to engage with you in some way, how could they do that? Well, um, you can go to my website, which is matthewkimberley.com. Or you could send me an email, which is matthew at matthewkimberley.com. That's two T's. Um, and Kimberly is L-E-Y at the end. Um, and you could send me an email. And my assistant will say, ah, this email clearly needs a response. And she will not respond. She will give it to me. And she will say, respond to this email. And I will respond. And it might take me, <laughs> it might take me four or five days, but you'll get a reply. Um, and, and I'd love, you know, I love to hear from people. I do. I, I, I was having a conversation with a prospective client just before I, um, jumped on this, um, interview with you, Bob. And she said, well, how do you, how do you look after your clients? I said, well, I, that, she kind of asked that. And I said, well, I wake up every morning and I say, how can I be of service? Um, and I'm quite good at filtering out people who want something for nothing and i'm very happy to give something for nothing up to a certain degree you know but if, yeah. if we end up going to an endless backwards and forwards of well what would you do in this situation or occasionally i get a generic email which is hi matthew how would you build a business or <laughs> matthew do you have any advice on marketing but like, i tell you what <laughs> i tell you what why don't you why don't you drop drop a few hundred dollars on a on a consultation or or why don't we have this conversation in a more structured way but but generally um uh, if you go to matthewkimberley.com, you can download my guide, which is called Five Things to Do Every Morning to Get More Clients in the Next 60 Days. And that explains um, minute by minute that ritual that I have every morning, which is how to stay in touch with important people, with influential people, with people who can build your network and how to make new friends and acquaintances. And it works yeah. really well for introverts because you don't have to leave the house. That's the answer I was looking for. Because I've downloaded that guide and it's really, really good. So if, if you're listening, go to Matthew's website and download that guide because it is literally five minutes a day. It's, um, it's great. It's my Bible. And people people write to me after a, a week of doing what I recommend and they go, you'd never guess what. And I go, you know what? I will. I will <laughs> guess what because it's been downloaded thousands of times and loads of people have told me. Uh, it's really very, very effective. All right. Matthew Kimberly, I'm so grateful you came on the podcast. I really hope we can do this again sometime. I'm looking forward to meeting you next month at the Youpreneur Conference. And yeah, thank you very much. The pleasure has been entirely mine, Bob. Thank you so much for having me. Matthew brings a clarity and intentionality to his work that's really inspiring and his systematic approach to authentically nurturing relationships has really paid off for me. If you haven't already downloaded his 5 Things PDF, then you should go and do that right now. You'll find a link in the show notes at bobgentle.com. Just follow the podcast link. If you run a small or solo practice related to digital marketing in some way, then I'd love you to get in touch. I'm really keen to interview listeners for the podcast, so no matter what stage your business is at, Get in touch and let's have a conversation. 
Before you go, take a second to subscribe to this podcast through your player so you don't miss the next episode. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Matthew for making the time for me and to you for listening and see you next time. Thank you.